0: up my sexy babies. My name is Sean Q and I'm your host on this episode of Heroes of. You might be asking why I'm talking like this. Well, this is the new sexy me. Actually, I just have a cold, so I was <laughs> just fooling around a little bit. I, um, I'm i a little sick, but uh, I still want to record. So I unfortunately have to talk with this like sexy rasp Um, It's completely not (laughs) on purpose. Um, How's it going, everybody? Uh, um, We've had uh, some time off here where we haven't uh, really recorded anything in a while. Been quite busy, but uh, I'd like to um, tell you that we're back and we've got a couple of episodes in the tank and we'll be putting them out pretty soon. This episode is the first in a a special two-part episode that we're doing about um, helping to design your character um, a little later on, we're going to be talking to Steve Nichol. He is a commis- commission artist out of Seattle, and he will um, draw... Uh, and help you design your character um, look uh, for D&D. You kind of come up with the backstory and what you are hoping it looks like, and then he comes up with something fantastic for you. Um, In part two, we'll be talking to Weston Gardner about um, uh, music anthems for your character. Uh, But today's episode is going to be all about art. Um, before we actually get into that interview, though, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about um, my personal D&D game that's happening right now. Um, if you've checked out the YouTube channel, you'll see that we um, I did a series of videos on preparing to do Dragon Heist, uh, a Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And um, we actually kind of wrapped up Waterdeep Dragon Heist just this week. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, when I say wrapped up, I don't actually mean wrapped up. We um, ended it early. Here is a quick Cole's Notes version of what's been going on in the uh, campaign. Um, I have four characters in the game. Uh, one of them is an NPC. He's the um, gnome cleric. There is uh, um, uh, Kazan Sterig, who uh, is played by Phil. He is a human fighter. There is uh, Remy, the um, red skinned uh, tiefling rogue, played by Mike. And then there is the. Um, uh, Moon Druid, uh, played by, uh, uh, Moon Druid Furbalg, played by Jay. Um, these characters, uh, as you, if you know Dragon Heist a little bit, um, they are, uh, the proprietors of Trollskull, uh, Manor. Um, they have been kind of doing these side missions all along. Uh, uh, Kazan, um, he uh, infiltrated the Zentrum gang and pledged with them and has the, the, the winged serpent tattoo now. He is trying to find out who authorized um, the enslavement of his people in a uh, northern community up uh, up north. Um, and he knows it was the Zentrum gang. But in order to uh, be able to get vengeance on uh, them, he needs to know who authorized it. Was it Manchun? Was it this uh, seedy fracture of uh, the Zentrum gang known as the Doom Raiders? Um, was it just low-level peon guys? So the whole reason he got into the um, the gang was to find that information out um Syngale is pledging with the emerald enclave he is officially a member um, he is tasked with um protecting the city from aberrations and undead um a very cool storyline and then there is remy who um got involved in uh, bregan Dareth, which is uh, Jarlaxle Benray's um a drow company of mercenaries that have uh, infiltrated waterdeep um the, uh, the funny kind of twist of it is that um, uh, disguised as a um, guildmaster, um, uh, Jarlaxle Bainray is actually the benefactor of our uh, cleric. Um, uh, uh, Thyssen Sprocket. Thyssen owes um, his schooling, his tinkering school that he went to. He owes um, sponsorship into that school to Jarlaxle, unbeknownst to him. He doesn't realize it's Jarlaxle. Um, And so now uh, Jarlaxle is um, blackmailing Remy uh, uh, to work for him or uh, Thyssen will, you know, killed. Um, normally Remy wouldn't ki- care about that stuff because he's uh, not a very uh, a, a nice person, but uh, he does care about his friends. Um, so anyways, they're uh, uh, they're kind of intermingled in all the different things going on in the city. The reason why I said earlier that uh, they didn't actually wrap it up was um, they got the Stone of Glore, uh which is the artifact that will allow them to find the vault where all the gold is. Um, they have it. They know where the vault is because they've used the stone to, to figure that out um they know what the keys are needed and they have the keys but all that information now is also known not the keys necessarily and not the location of the vault but the fact that they have it is known by the Zentrum gang in Manshoon Brigandareth and Jarlaxle Banry and Xanathar himself there is a moment uh, that happens in the game last this week where they have to fight for their lives and escape Trollskull Alley because all three factions and their leaders, Manshoon, Jarlaxel, and Xanathar, have all conjoined into Trollskull Alley to take this stone from them. Um, while the big uh, bads are fighting each other, uh, the characters had to uh, fight off uh, uh, low-level thugs and Kenku and uh, soldiers to actually escape. They escaped through the sewer system, and then realize that really nowhere in the city is going to be safe. Um, Jarlaxle has eyes and ears everywhere, and Remy knows that. Um, having been in the Zentrum gang for a little while, Kazan Sterig knows that uh, Manchun's uh, um, uh, fingers are in every pot, and that he um, that there's there's no safe place in the city. So he suggests, why don't we go to the yawning portal and go down into Undermountain? No one will come after us there. It's too dangerous. So after a little while of considering it, they leave, before they even get to solve the end of the module, um, they go down into Undermountain, into the yawning port <clears throat> excuse me, into the yawning portal, into Undermountain. So they've skip the en- they skip the end of Waterdeep Dragon Heist and go immediately into Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is the next module. Um, you're supposed to start that module at level six. They're still only level five, but uh, every um, uh, creature or fight that they've come across uh, so far, they've easily handled. Uh, they're very experienced role players, uh, and I don't expect anything but uh, uh, you know the best uh, from them. Uh, so it's quite interesting that they um, they left that thread hanging. They can come back up onto the uh, uh, into water at any time and do it, but they're going to bide their time and wait. And um, sort of hope that everything dies down and everyone kind of forgets about them. Uh, so it's, uh, it's it was very uh, uh, enjoyable. Very, it, it was very fun to scare the crap out of them by putting a beholder on the table and, uh, and then flooding the whole alley with uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of characters. If you want to um, if you want to take a look at some of the photos, you can go take uh, take a look at them on uh, on Instagram. Uh, There's a couple of uh, pictures up on our on our Instagram at Heroes of Cathra. I just found it uh, fascinating that uh, they would opt not to finish the module to uh, to go hide out to make sure they survived. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I think if it was for the if it was their their choice, they would have probably went for the vault, fully their choice. I advise that maybe uh, I, I made it clear that the city would be searching for them, all the factions that. They had pissed off or had been involved with, and all the other ones that they hadn't even encountered yet. Um, you know, the uh, uh, Kazan is already uh, is also with um, Lord's Alliance, but there's also you know all these other uh, um, factions and uh, d- d- uh, nobles and politicians that would be after them once they uh, the word got out. It would be really hard to contain. Um, I love the fact that they actually uh, went down into the Yawning Portal a little early. Um, I think it's super dangerous, but it's going to be super interesting. And um, it uh, it just shows that um, you know, it, things can kind of play out in different order than they're supposed to. You know, normally you would finish the first module and jump into the second one. But because the second one exists in the city, um, they can just kind of skip ahead to it a little bit and then come back to, to, the, to the rest of it later. Um, anyway, see, I just thought it was really cool. Um, so uh, here is a, uh, a word from our sponsors, and uh, then we'll be heading out to uh, talk to Steve Nickel. This podcast is brought to you by Backspun and the good people at TheVintageToyman.com. Are you looking for something for your collection? Look no further. Just go to TheVintageToyman.com and get a hold of Chris Leger. He probably has everything you need. Records, magic cards, toys. Not just toys rare collectible toys. His shop is full of it um, I've seen uh, the, some of the most amazing toys I've, uh, I've seen in, in my entire life even you know even some of these toys that I own when I was a kid don't light up my eyes more than they do now when I see them. Um, I think that you should get a hold of them if you're really looking for something rare. Um, he probably has what you need. you can get a hold of him at the vintagetoyman.com. ladies. Do you have a hard time getting your husband to do any work around the house? Are you asking him to mow the lawn all the time or rake the leaves? Maybe shovel some snow and he just doesn't want to do it? Or how about sweeping the floor or doing the laundry? Are there tasks that he's just not motivated to do? Well, do we ever have the product for you? Just let him smoke a little bit of weed and then tell him he can go and do the, the chores afterwards and he'll do anything you want. rake leaves, shovel snow, literally repaint the whole house, the fence. He'll do anything. Just let him smoke a little bit of weed. Weed. It makes husbands do stuff.
1: With me today is uh, Stephen Nickel, um, also known as at Stephen Sketches Art on Instagram. Um, how are you doing, Steve? Hello.
2: I'm do- I'm doing pretty good, man.
1: Um <laughs> so we're here to talk today about uh D&D and uh art and uh a plethora of different topics.
2: All all right. A plethora you say.
1: I I uh well I I uh maybe that's a word that I shouldn't have used, but I decided to use it just kind of last minute. Hey.
2: <laughs> I'm uh, already improvising. This truly is d and D podcast.
1: It really, it really is. Yeah, choose your own adventure uh, uh, conversation. <laughs> um, I uh, read up a little bit about uh, you on your uh, frequently asked questions, and it said you've been drawing professionally since uh, 2013. But when did you like get into drawing more than just kids stuff?
2: More than just kids stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, like more than just the 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 you know the stuff that we do in grade school and stuff.
2: Um, you know, uh I'd always thought that I was doing more than just kid stuff even when I was a kid. <laughs> I was a pretty arrogant kid. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's like I knew I was destined for the big leagues even when I was young. <laughs> uh no. So, um I guess my my awakening, my rude awakening came when I got um a when I got out of school and I got into like this super duper legal internship that I took at a local game company that made Facebook games. Remember Facebook games?
1: Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, uh, Farmville and whatnot.
2: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, apparently there was a lot of money in Facebook games at the time, so uh, there was a there was this lo The only company in Sacramento that made video games was this dinky little thing called Click Nation, and they made. Um, they made these facebook games and i was like i like video games i want to work for a video game company i know some people that work there that i went to school with i'm mm. gonna try and muscle my way in and get a job And it was a pretty rude awakening being surrounded by all this talent that had been in the industry for so long because you had all these comic book artists and video game artists and stuff that were in sacramento for some reason and kind of down on their luck and they were just kind of busting out these facebook games it was really a honestly a really in retrospect real waste of their talents but um it was also super intimidating for me in a really good way to see all these guys like um really hammering out like this amazing artwork just like as a matter of course and then Mm -hmm. um yeah and then after that uh after that experience um it took me a while to come around to uh you know quitting Quitting school, dropping out, and uh, going into art instead. Because, gosh darn it, mom, I like art more than I like going into medicine.
1: So you were to uh, you were a medical student.
2: I was. Yeah, I was going to school for um, physical therapy. Okay. I work at
1: a uh, hospital here in Ottawa, and um, uh, I'm not a medical uh, person at all. I'm actually a a cook. I I cook breakfast for uh, a lot of the uh, the medical people at the hospital. (laughs) But I've gotten to know them over the 16 years I've been there. And so we see a lot of medical students come in and out, and um, some of them make it. uh, Some of them last, and some of them don't,
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you're not one of those people that gives hospital food a bad name. Are you, Sean?
1: No, I'm actually one of those people that give hospital food a good name. Uh, okay, good. I, uh, I will literally <laughs> blow your mind and you'll go, this is hospital food.
2: Okay, great. <laughs> awesome. I was very underwhelmed the last time I was in a hospital.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, uh were you it's like, uh, I paid for this? <laughs> yeah. Like what's going on? These actually mashed potatoes. Um, so you uh, so you left school to uh, um, pursue uh, 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 art. had you had you really made the connection between your art and d and d by that point, or,
2: not really. Like I drew my friends D and D characters. I drew my D and D characters and stuff, but I hadn't really gotten serious about it. I started once I quit school, I was like, Well, I guess i better start making some money off of this or my mom's gonna kick me out of the house. So right. I uh I, I've gotten I did what every every single kid did at the time, which is go on to DeviantArt art and then start peddling for commission work. Right. And it was just like I'll draw anything. Um and uh and then you charge like the smallest amount that you're comfortable with charging, right? And so that then, people can
1: ask for your services as opposed to someone else. I guess, you're right? Trying and, and
2: then, yeah. And on DeviantArt, it really is like a, a, a terrible cesspool of just like you know, well, I will I will spend twenty hours drawing <laughs> this picture for twenty dollars, right? You know, it's just it's <laughs> yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like it should be called depressing art is. What oh, to, it really was. It, yeah, it was a sad time. But it was a it was an education that was sure uh, to be sure, um, and yeah, I drew a lot. I drew like uh, Pokemon commission work. I did um, people's OCs and stuff like that. Um, uh, my favorite part of the job was how every single person that was on DeviantArt fancied that they were like this genius art director that uh, could like tell me what to do every step every step of the process. Right and that except they can draw it themselves yeah anyway um (laughs) so yeah it was way too much stress and headache for way too little money um then i then i started i I asked myself like what inspires me i like video games let's do video games and so i started i i I picked up a game called smite at the time uh while it was in beta and smite is this uh was a moba uh like league of legends okay um but it was uh, it was third person. And it had to do with like Greek gods and stuff. And I, it really tickled my fancy because I loved I love third person fantasy games. And mm. Smite was a third person competitive fantasy game. And I was like, I'm all in. And yeah. I, uh, like it's an excess I, of all the
1: things that you like.
2: Yeah. I joined that community, and when I did, I noticed that nobody was really doing any fan art of it. So I was like, Oh shoot, there's like a void here that I could totally fill. Right. And I did. I I stepped in and I started like very prolifically making myself known to all the community people, all the people that were at the company and stuff, and just saying like, "Hey, I'm doing fan art of your game. Isn't it sweet?" And because I was literally the only fish in that pond, I was the biggest fish. Right. So, um, and then I and I and I fought to as more artists started like discovering Smite and started making fan art of it. I fought to maintain relevance and and um, visibility. To the company. Mm-hmm. And as I developed my portfolio and built up a lot of fan art, which is really not what you're supposed to put in a portfolio, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also started streaming at the time, too. And uh, through streaming my fan art and totally poaching uh, all the viewers from the Smite streams and stuff saying, hey, I'm doing fan art. <laughs> Come and check stuff it like out. That. Come check it out, yeah. It, which was, which is totally okay. Um, <laughs> I think that, I, it's,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I think that people are yeah. going to watch both, anyways, right?
2: Right. Yeah. There's enough
1: eyeballs out there to to go around.
2: <laughs> anyway, so what I did was I, I I I built like this tiny little viewership, and then I exploited that viewership very politely to help get me a ticket to the launch party or the launch tournament for Smite when it came out of beta, right? Ooh. It had been in beta for about a year, and then they were launching it and making it like official. And so I, uh, I did a, a fundraiser stream, got a ticket to, um, got a ticket to Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, enjoyed the tournament thoroughly. It was very fun watching people play the game. But then I tracked down the art director through my portfolio at him and said, "Hire me." Yeah. And he opened up my portfolio, looked at it and says, "This is all fan art."
1: you <laughs>
2: but i ew yeah exactly like um but he saw that i re- he was like all right do you want to do like illustration because i see a lot of illustration in here i was like no i want to be a concept artist i want to design the characters in the game i want to do all that and he was like i don't see much concept art in here but <sighs> okay sure and he hired me oh wow at at way better than deviant art rates uh,
1: exponentially better
2: exponentially better than deviant art rates 10 times as good as deviant Art rates still i learned later way below par for industry standard
1: <laughs> stepping stones though right
2: yeah yeah really really launching my career off with a bang there uh, <laughs> yeah, but i didn't work in office i worked from home and uh i uh designed skins for the game and that kind of really got me to take the kid gloves off and then i started to really learn what it was like to draw like a professional right uh because i had an art, i had a real art director now not some wannabe art director from deviant art right um that I, and I milked that for all it was worth, uh, the whole Smite gig. Uh, eventually, they did entrust me to do, like, an original character design for the game, uh, which was, like, my dream and everything. Um, but by that point, I was getting pretty burnt out on it after, like, a three, I think I worked for them for, like, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they flew me out for an interview for an in-office position. Um, and uh, the interview was very, very, very civil. And it was very, it was very nice, and I think everybody like, we all had a good time. But um, it came out later that it, I wasn't quite fit for the position because I have very strong opinions about how women should be depicted in video games.
1: Right, and, and they
2: didn't. They did not share my convictions. And let's. Sorry,
1: what? Um, how how long ago was this? Just to put it in this context.
2: was so i started working for them i did the fan art gig for the whole fan art thing in 2013 i got hired in early 2014 mm-hmm. and then i worked for them until about 2017 okay. and when that all dried up um because at that point they were just like okay we're not gonna hire you also we don't really like you anymore so we're not gonna give you any more work mm-hmm. and so i was like okay that's that's fine you know i was kind of an ass <laughs> so i kind of asked for it but um at that point, uh, I was like, "Okay, I need to I need to find a way to pay the bills."
1: Yeah, that's first and foremost.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd gotten raises. Um, I, I by the time I was by the time I was done there, I was earning three times as much as when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uh, at, at that point, once that all dried up, I was like, "Okay, I need to figure out something else." So uh, I did what I I just simply really repeated the pattern. I was like, okay, I've got a game that I love. It's called Dungeons & Dragons. Right. Uh, there's this new show that literally came out yesterday. It's called Critical Role.
1: Right.
2: And uh, also this other show that just came out called Stranger Things Featured D&D, and now people are mm-hmm. freaking out about it. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. it's, you know, for me, I, my life has just been a series of kind of that, just kind of like uh, testing the waters, licking my fingers, sticking it up in the air, feeling the breeze and just going, yeah, I think I should i think this is where i need to be you know yeah
1: and you so, have already I, had experience drawing yeah friends characters and uh and like being immersed in a, and a can- campaign and everything yeah
2: yeah and do i did a lot of D D campaigns and stuff uh, i've been dming for a while been playing a long time uh, like, ever since i was 18.
1: what's your um like a uh, f- f- uh, two-part question here uh how sure. how old are you
2: oh yeah 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 let's Let's give some timeline context.
1: Yeah, because um, especially when we're talking about D and D, timeline matters. So when I'm yeah, going to ask you the next question, which is, you know, like I, one of the questions I ask on the podcast all the time is, uh, "What's your personal D and D story? Like, how did the how did the game of D and D come to you originally?" And knowing how old you are gives a context of what system you played and and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I was just rambling about my. No, life no, no. Or... It's
1: this is all <laughs> this is all really important to know how. Okay to give us a baseline idea of how you got into um, to where you are now, right? Like this is exactly what we need to know.
2: Okay, sure. Um, So I'm 29 Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I uh, grew up in a um, very strong Christian family Mm -hmm. and uh, stereotypes exist for a reason. And therefore I was banned from playing, uh the the devil's game uh otherwise known so was as, I. otherwise oh, otherwise known as pokemon yeah oh <laughs> yeah. And, that's the, um, that's the one you're and, banned that's funny yeah that's the one um
1: i was banned from uh, pog at, but that's a little different um, yeah. a little earlier no no <laughs> i'm just kidding. <laughs> it's 15 years too early but
2: oh dear yeah. okay um yeah i was i was banned i was banned from a lot of things um and it took a lot of uh Wheeling and dealing with my parents to be all like, "Hey, you know, maybe you could show me a little trust and everything, but anyway, long story short. Uh, I was like, when I f- was eighteen, I was like, "Okay, look, I'm eighteen years old, and my Christian friend is going to be running a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> Can you please give me a ride to the Dungeons and Dragons campaign?" And they were like, are you sure you're not going to be summoning demons? I'm pretty sure we're not going to be summoning demons.
1: It's like literally like 20 years removed from Satanic Panic in the 80s, right? Like, I know. But like, my get parents like,
2: really <laughs> held on to that kind of thing. We didn't yeah. even grow up in the South. We've always lived on the West Coast. Yeah.
1: but My mom was um, the same way. I grew up in the 90s, yeah. and my mom was the same way. She yeah. just remembered all the horrible things about D&D from the right. 80s. And um, it, it, it took lots of lies and misdirection for me to actually get to play D&D. So... I, I feel you. It's it's tough. I never
2: resorted to lies and misdirection. Uh, that never works with, worked with my parents. It, uh, the direct approach is always the best approach. I had and to tell
1: my mom that. that I was playing a um, a goodly uh, cleric who um, healed everyone and didn't get any in, into any fights. Um, she's like, okay, you well then I guess that's any no violence whatsoever. <laughs> there is there is no fights. It's literally just kindness. It's all all it is.
2: Friendship is magic.
1: We go into dungeons and heal the goblins.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's post on Reddit about that recently, about a uh, person um, doing uh, running a, a campaign like that for their kids.
1: Oh yeah, it's like a it's the uh, no thank you evil to Numenera style, like a kid friendly version. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so when you started playing D and D, then uh, did you you what have started uh, with uh, third edition, I guess?
2: Yeah, yep, you got your timeline right. Yeah, it was 3.5. Mm-hmm. Um was what I started with. Uh I made the biggest Marty Stew Edgelord rogue ever, <laughs> as you do. As you have to. I was 18, I didn't know any better. And I, you know, as much and now that I do know better and as much grief as I give, you know, those kinds of backstories, because in my business I read a lot of backstories, Sean. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of backstories, Sean yeah
1: you you must I mean that's, <laughs> that's the, but that's the essence of of what you do, right you're trying to take that backstory and put it into a visual context for people
2: yeah, but most of the time, Sean, I'll be honest, I love my job, I love my clients, but I read a lot of backstories, man, and <laughs> it all takes me back to when I was eighteen and I was writing the cringiest, edgiest most grammatically correct backstory ever
1: five page
0: essay uh-huh yeah
2: yeah yep yeah. yeah. and suffered like all this abuse and yeah. did all this and that but <laughs> otherwise i'm a pretty great guy <laughs> like there's you know, literally no I came out, and i came ever. out pretty well adjusted all things considered <laughs>
1: <laughs> like my uh my whole village burnt down and it doesn't bother me that much
2: yeah i was there i got like my mother's blood on my face but you know i still have a yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was not great. But yeah, um, it was, I had a very patient DM at the time. Mm. And uh, he, we eventually transitioned away from my cringy, horrible rogue to... Uh, we did an Eberron campaign.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah, Eberron was good times. And yeah, during in the Eberron campaign, I played a gnome artificer with a um, half-a-paragraph-long backstory... Alright, that's uh,
1: that's hey, that's really good.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a really nice, big shift. I was like, I'm gonna do this completely differently from the first time because it did not work out for me. Yeah. Um my DM was very <laughs> patient with me, but he had a way of letting me know when I was not interesting. <laughs> 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 he played favorites pretty hard, so
1: yeah, I, I think that um, I think the DMs sometimes have to do that at the table yeah. because there's yeah. certain players who are more needy than others, and I, I hate to say that, but that's true.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it's become my habit to it's become my habit that the needier ones are the ones that get most of my most of my frustration, and also just most of my my like I'm just going to ignore you now kind of attitude <laughs> because I've got I've got so many other people here to pay attention to.
1: Of course.
2: But yeah, um, golly, my D are you sure you want like my whole D and D story? Because my D and D just uh, is uh,
1: I mean I uh it was a it was a it was a stormy night on July third. Like no, it doesn't okay. have to be All right, all right, all right. But anyway,
2: um yeah I I started in, in um <laughs> I started when I was eighteen, did three point five, uh, had a great time playing a Gnome Artificer in Eberron. Um then uh then, of course, 4th edition happened, and we don't talk about that. Switch to Pathfinder, etc. It's really, uh,
1: the system that shall not be named. Yeah. It's and like Voldemort, but for D&D. Look,
2: I know there are definitely some good things that came out of 4th edition, but anyway, yeah. moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh Yeah, I think the... I've done a lot of D&D, and yeah, Pathfinder was a thing that I had fun with, and 5th Edition is something that's happened now, Mm -hmm. but the real games that really spoke to me were the ones that I played at my buddy David's place, and he used his own homebrew system, Mm -hmm. he made up his own rule set, he made up his own world, everything was completely 100% original content. Very cool. The way they rolled dice was weird, man. Um, But... The those games were so different from what I usually expected out of a d game. It was yeah. uh, it was more like a TV show and there were main characters and side characters and you got your character. And sometimes you would go there and you wouldn't do anything like the whole day except for like a line here or a scene there. Right. Um, and most games weren't there was no combat. The vast majority of games was just role playing. Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, I,
1: I like that in certain games. There's, I mean, there's certain yeah. games I like combat. I just, you know, there's certain times you want to, you want to just roll some dice and kill some things. But I really yeah. do like a, a story heavy uh, game as well.
2: Yeah. It. I. Okay. When I first joined David's campaign, I actually brought my s- super edgy rogue character, <laughs> the same <laughs> one that I'd started with at the very beginning of all this. Yeah. And I brought it into his super serious story game. I had no idea what I was getting into, right? Yeah. Man, I I rustled some jimmies, dude. (laughs) (laughs) With that character. And it took me like two years of going there and just ignoring the ever-loving crap out of everyone. Before I finally realized, oh wait, I'm not important
1: i'm the needy one at the table now yeah,
2: i'm <laughs> the jerk it took me like two years before i realized that the story was more important than the characters right and it was about that time that the dm came to me and said hey i'm uh that my buddy david who is the storyteller came to me and said hey i'm gonna be starting a new campaign and i want you to play the main character and mm. i was like what and that campaign that he ran where I had to play the main character, where I actually had to be the center of attention for once. Yeah. <laughs> but it was assigned sign to me. It wasn't something I was, like, grabbing at greedily, right? Yeah. And once that happened, it just completely opened my eyes to how wonderful a game, a real game, a real role-playing game could be. Yeah. It, could, it can evoke real change in a person.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's wild what uh, what it can do, not just to to you personally, but to the the friendships that you have at the table, too. Like it um, it permeates through the group, I think, too. It's so it's, 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 it's a weird thing.
2: Yeah, actually, when I first joined uh, David's group, uh, everybody hated me.
1: <laughs> and then eventually
2: oh. and then eventually over the course of a few years, uh, I regard uh, all the people there as like family.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, eh?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah were... Same
1: thing kind of happened to us. I, I I joined a group that played once a month, and then um, now wow. I literally see them once a week. Like we and we talk all the time on Google Hangouts. Like I, you know, these were like it's a couple people I knew from high school, but a couple people like and then I didn't really like hang out with that much. But uh, and a couple people that I um, kind of didn't know at all, and now it's like you say, it's like family. It's just
2: ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really is special. Uh, David was actually the um, uh, the storyteller for that campaign. Was actually the uh, best man at my wedding.
1: Did you um, did you find when you played because because you're so um, artistically inclined, did you find it hard to not draw all the time, or were you okay with just letting yourself doodle and draw as you're playing? Because for me, I I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be able to do those two things. Like, I'm not artistically inclined at all. If Um, you're
2: not artistically inclined, then you cannot understand the absolute need that you have to draw while you're in math class.
1: Right. Yeah, I never could. I, I, you know, I got, I got some talents. I can sing. I can, you know, I was in a band before. I can, you know, I'm very artistic with certain things, but the visual arts of it all, I, I could never, I was all thumbs and it never, I could just never do it.
2: Yeah, and busting the trombone out in the middle of math class isn't really going to fly.
1: No, it's not going to help you at all.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, when, when everybody else in math class was taking notes and or pretending to take notes, I was drawing. Right. And that's just how I paid attention. When, so, I am AD, when I'm sitting as a player in a D&D table, I am just doodling.
1: Are you if it's uh not my are, turn, are you doing random doodles? Or are you doodling like some of the stuff that the DM's talking about or the characters? It's always the characters.
2: Right. Always the characters, yeah.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I played with a guy once who um he played a bard and he was um he was a musician and he actually sat at the table with his guitar. And when he would play music in game, he would play music at the table and it was it was wonderful. And um, I wondered if, have you ever played a character in a game that also drew, like, was a cartographer or a, um, even just an artist? Um, Like, did you ever, like, break the fourth wall in that sense, where you were the artist and the artist in the game as well?
2: Uh, I guess the closest I ever came to that was when I was playing the uh, Gnome Artificer in Eberron. Um, The... That character, I I took the artificial role very seriously and I wanted to create like a little legion of robots and stuff like that. And so I was always going to the DM with my designs and everything, like, can I build this? And he's like, No.
1: <laughs> but the gnome would have been uh, doing those designs in game as well, right? So yes, there's like yes, a tangible exactly. thing that the other characters can see, like, oh, he's actually yeah. working and stuff. That's yeah, really I
2: don't cool. I doubt it had very much like impact on the immersion of the other players, but it was nice for me.
1: Yeah, I I see I would have I would have gone bonkers for that that would, that see that's this kind of stuff that I love, so
2: sure um it was it was later in like like my buddy David's campaigns um when I was playing like that main character in his campaign, I was playing like a a paladin for the first time. I'd always played like rogues and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm gonna like playing the beef stick, <laughs> but um but yeah, after like the first. Like he would do his games. he would do his campaigns as like a series of chapters, right? Mm-hmm. After the first chapter, the dragon was slain. My character had fallen in love and uh, had lost the love of his life all in one like chapter of the campaign, okay. right? Um, and uh, I had become so quickly and so swiftly like emotionally immersed in that game that I had. Uh, that when uh, when my character's uh, fiance, because uh, he had gotten engaged over the course of that campaign, when my character's fiance died at the hands of the dragon, um, uh, I I actually went through like a grieving process. That's crazy. Uh, like a real grieving process. I actually blacked out for a week, basically <laughs> into like the deepest depression I'd ever been in, in my life and um so
1: it's so messed up how how it gets under our skin eh?
2: well it's it's real for us
1: i I say it all the time that i have as many memories of stuff that happened at the table that i do of my own memories yes i can remember stuff, stuff that my character did that i like that i that feels
0: just as real as the stuff that i do
2: yeah, human brains weird that way that it takes the the RPG memories and it, and it categorizes them under the real the real memories <laughs> yes, category. It's, anyway, it's after that after that blackout week, I had painted three beautiful paintings and I didn't remember painting them. Oh, wow. And um I oh, printed them, by them out death? by all yeah, uh one of them was of the woman, one of them was of my character and one of them was of when they first met. It was a love at first sight kind of a thing, okay. which was very heavy-handed for the storyteller at the time, but he was he admits in retrospect that it was a mistake, but it it led to a lovely story.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we were I mean, it is it's also a story, so we're able to believe that stuff a little easier yeah. in a story than it is in our own lives, right? Yeah. Have you um have you ever posted any of those paintings? Have has are, yes, uh, actually,
2: all three of them actually were up on my degree in art. <laughs> they're not on my art station because they're not quite up to snuff. Uh, I'm, not just, up to I'm just curious
1: what they uh, I just it's a it's a great story and I'm just curious what they look like.
2: Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I I can link those to you later and perhaps you can like hyperlink them in your. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pod, yeah, that would be that'd be really cool.
2: <laughs> or uh, heck, so maybe that will give me an excuse to post them up, up on my Instagram. There um, you go. That would, I'm always that would looking for more Instagram fodder.
1: Yeah, there you go. You need uh you need something in the uh, in the tank, right? <laughs> um but speaking of your uh your Instagram account, you, dude, your art is ridiculously beautiful, man. It's so beautiful. Like I, I I spend, like, hours just looking through it and, like, zooming in on the characters and, like, it's just the details are so beautiful. I – um hats off to you, man. It's so nice. It's one of the reasons you why – You zoom in, in on
2: my pictures it. on Instagram? Oh, man, that makes me feel bad. The resolution is so bad on that app. Oh,
1: sure. For sure it is. But, I mean, there's <laughs> there, there, there's details in some of the pictures I want to see, right? Like, Well, if you want pictures. to
2: see them, please go onto my art station. A lot of them are posted on much higher resolution.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll start doing that. I won't uh, desecrate your memory by uh
0: by,
2: just <laughs> just for my pixels. sake instagram yeah. has been ridiculously successful for me in terms of followage and everything way more so than any other platform before it yeah but um i hate like how badly it jacks up my pictures
1: <laughs> yeah. i mean it's uh, uh you know it's uh, meant for handheld uh, mobility right and yeah totally um, yeah but i mean there's like you like you said so many people are getting to see your art and that's that's I mean it'll lead to your, your art station eventually, like like just now. Like now now I'm gonna be able to go to see your art station and get to see them in high res. Yeah.
2: Great, um, cool. Finally so, lights a fire under my butt to update my art station. I love
1: again. I love a lot of your um the character stuff that you do, but some of my favorite things that you that I've seen on there are are the demonic ones and the um the creature ones. Like some of the uh, um intellect the, the 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 post about the intellect of ours, those things yeah. are awesome, dude. Thanks, They're dude. so creepy and so awesome. Like I, I just um, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think that earlier you went to um, Georgia and uh, f- pretty much forced Smite to hire you. Uh, <laughs> you're, in, uh, you're in Seattle. Why don't you do the same with Dungeons & Dragons? Why don't you show up to their offices and be like, you need to hire me. I'm fucking awesome. Hire me.
2: Um, there's a, well, the thing is I don't live in Seattle oh. and uh, I live uh, an hour south. Okay. Uh and, and and that's me using my west coast terms for distance. Right. Um I live I live
1: I'm about <laughs> that's up about a thumb away from Seattle if you're looking at a map. Yeah.
2: Um it's yeah. I I moved from California up to the greater Seattle area um uh to a little town called Graham. Okay. And Graham is about an hour out of Seattle. And the Wizards of the Coast offices are located in Renton, I believe, which I'm still about an hour south of. Okay. Um, not quite to Seattle, thank goodness. However, right. um, the infrastructure here in and the way the roads have been laid out um, and developed and everything was... Not none of those roads were ever developed with any forethought for the sheer amount of people that were going to commute from the more southern parts of the area to Seattle and Bellevue and Renton and all those places where all those awesome video game and tabletop companies exist mm-hmm. um because those areas are abhorrently expensive. And so people live outside of them and then commute.
1: So it's um, impractical to, to think that you could drive there every day and It work. would be
2: a two to three hour commute one way that's every crazy. morning and then the same thing back home. And yeah, so cool. I would be gone on average 12 hours a day every day of the week
1: Yeah, that's, um, from that's my tough. home. That's tough,
2: or I could work from home and just draw d and d characters all day and not have an art director telling me what to do all day right. and still make ok money, yeah, hey, that's that's the dream, dude. i I just was saying it because
1: I you know, I just love your your stuff so much. I feel like, you know d and d um the company or wizards is uh, is missing out not having you on staff is all.
2: I would love to work for Wizards. Honestly, it would be a lot of fun. I think um, as long as I didn't have that kind of commute. A lot of people have told me the same thing, which is, why don't you just move up there once you get a job there? And uh, (laughs) um, I like my house. (laughs) I I I like having I like having cheap rent. I currently live with my grandmother, uh, which makes for really really cheap rent. Yeah, um, awesome. Yep, grandmas are awesome. Especially grandmothers with uh with apartments over their garages. Sweet. So I don't actually live in the same house with my grandmother, which is awesome.
1: That sounds like um,
2: set up for a sitcom.
1: Uh yeah. <laughs> like living above your grandmother's garage sounds like a like a I don't know like sounds like a like a 1990s sitcom or something.
2: Thank goodness that our relationship doesn't look anything like a 1990s sitcom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's probably not a good thing. Yeah.
2: Um. So, I uh. I would love to work for Wizards. Um, honestly, recently there was actually a job posting for Wizards that I was perfectly qualified for for the first time in my life. You know I, you know what I'm talking about. Every time you, there's a job posting, and it's just like, we need this much experience. And we need this much this and this much that. And for the first time in my life, I, I looked at a, po- a job posting from Wizards of the Coast. And I read it all and I said, I am qualified for this job. And I vacillated and I was like, I want to apply, I want to go in for an interview, I want to get hired, I'm local, I've got a pretty good chance. And I was stressing about it a lot. I talked about it with my wife and we talked about the commute, we talked about the move, we discussed it all. And really what we concluded at the end of the day, and this this has been a conclusion we've had to reach multiple times, is that... A lot of people go to work for these big companies like Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. and you know, these dream companies like Riot or Blizzard and everything. Yeah. And then after a very short time of working there, they want nothing more than to get out. Right. And just do and do this thing uh, where they are working on their own, they're working on their own IPs, they're working on their own projects, mm-hmm. and they're making a living doing what makes them happy rather than what makes the shareholders happy
1: right you're being your creativity is being constricted into a certain right down a certain barrel and you'd rather to be a little more free i guess
2: right and you know if i did that i'd have to give up streaming if i did that i wouldn't be able to work on any of my own projects or anything um you know everything's slowed down right now with the baby and stuff but we have a lot of ideas of ways that we want to start building up our own company Uh, Around tabletop games and around uh, these these kinds of things, and there's really not a lot of money in it. Honestly, Um, but at the same, joy, right? Yeah, you're in it for the joy. I, but I mean, I still have to be the provider for my family, of course. Um, uh, Those those old Christian values never really left me. Uh, I'm still I still consider myself a very strong Christian. Everything my wife and I are both very traditional. And, um, I've had an extremely traditional relationship (laughs) and, um, I, I firmly believe in, you know, having to be the breadwinner of the household, um, Mm -hmm. Not to be not to be sexist or anything. My wife, my wife, honestly, really wants to start earning money herself too. Right. Uh, but and that would be very helpful.
1: <laughs> two two incomes is
2: never a bad thing. Two incomes would be great. Um, but we both we're both entrepreneurs at heart. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't really like working for people. And honest uh, and honestly, um, as awesome as it would be to work for Wizards of the Coast, if I'm absolutely honest with myself, uh, I wouldn't be working for Wizards of the Coast. I'd be working for Hasbro. Right. And that is, that is a, there's a detachment there that is just unpleasant. Right. Um, well, I brought it up uh, earlier as a, um,
1: like as a compliment to your art. and
2: Oh, I I appreciate that. But I think, I think a lot of people listening, um, I think, should also kind of get like a, that dose of realism. <laughs> no, for sure. You know, yeah, it's I know, a, it's I know a lot of young yeah. artists and a lot of people that are going into, like, the tabletop industry because they love D&D as, like, writers or designers or as artists. And mm-hmm. it's like, and the, and, they, and the mecca of that is Wizards of the Coast. And I'm right. sitting there going, like, you know, yeah, you could do that or you could work on your own thing, man.
1: Right. And do your own thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what we, we started last year. Uh, you know, I was like, you know, I've been playing... Like uh, 42 now, but last year I was 41, and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm gonna be retiring in like 25 years. So am I gonna cook breakfast for the next 25 years? Okay, if I have to cook breakfast, you know, for the next 25 years with the pension and the and the benefits and all that stuff for the kids, then I got to do something on the side that makes me happy other than cooking, right? I got to do something for me, and um, it just started with, you know bringing it up at the the gaming table one day and I said guys I, I need to do something different. I need to do something with our love for games. So I want you to start just taking pictures of everything that you own that's like D&D inspired or RPG, all the Shadowrun stuff, all the Star Wars stuff. Take pictures of all of it and then we'll dump it on a Google Drive and then I'll start posting it on Instagram and we'll we'll start there. And that just, you know, turned into a YouTube channel which didn't really I didn't I kind of quickly abandoned cuz I really like the the podcast format cuz I I just want to talk to people and um so yeah. it's kind of like satiating that that uh that side of me that's like you know I got to do more than just cook so I'm you know probably never going to make money off of this but um but just being able to kind of feel like I'm involved in a little way is, is helpful right
2: Mhm It being a part of that greater community uh as a content creator can be very fulfilling
1: Yeah it's, the people are so cool like You know, people are so, they're they're so nice and like, you know, everyone's really wants everyone to succeed and do well. And it's just, it's really cool. Like it's, it's, it's like, uh, unlike any other community that I've seen, it's, it's pretty neat.
2: Yeah. It's really special. I think a lot of that has to do with, again, what we were talking about earlier, the real memories thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, because RPGs touch people on such a personal level. Mm Mm-hmm it affects real change in their lives. And, um, and that's probably something that they don't get pretty much anywhere else really. Right. And, you
1: know, they want to find other people they can like talk about it with and share, share it with like, you know, it's, it's hard. Like I, I, a good example of that is I, um, I'm also a fan of critical role. You mentioned critical role earlier and how they're, mm-hmm. well, they really, the it's kind come of up the, the uh, the, the granddaddy of kind of some of this stuff, right? Like they've kind of made everything explode, um mm-hmm. and none of my gaming buddies have ever seen it yeah and and that's totally fine but like i have to reach out to other people in the community and be like oh did you fucking see that last episode it was so bonkers it was awesome mm-hmm. and like i can't do that with my own buddies i have to find that online so just an example of how the community is kind of cool
2: yeah yeah you can find uh you can find those groups uh all over the place Mm hmm. But the, uh, the one of the main things
1: I want to uh, and we're all kind of getting to the end of this conversation here. But one of the things I wanted to kind of cover is I am um, I find fascinating that there is a like an, uh, a different side of D&D and we see it with, uh, you know, the commissions that you do for people. And, um, there's a couple of people online as well that I found that, um, you know, write musical anthems for people's characters and their, their games. Oh, wow. Uh, we'll going <laughs> to, we're going to be actually interviewing uh, someone, uh, in a few weeks that, um, is going to be doing a, uh, an anthem for one of my characters. Shoot. Um, I had
2: no I, idea that was a thing. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: uh, dude. I didn't even know that commission art for D and D characters was a thing until last year when I started going on Instagram and I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Like, this yeah. is incredible. You know that there's this whole side, like literally, when we were kids in the '90s, and we wanted to n- kind of show what our character looked like, we would be cutting faces out of magazines, and yeah. then like everyone's characters yeah. look like Scott Baio and Richard Rico. <laughs> and, <Nicole Kidman laughs> and you know, being like Tom Cruise? Like that's what everyone's characters look like.
2: Because I'll, I'll, I'll admit we awesome. still we still do that sometimes. Yeah, it's
1: pretty fun, especially when you play like a um, like a modern game like a, like a Dresden Files or um, you know. Know, vampire or werewolf, where it's in the current day, and you can actually take someone's face. Oh, man.
2: You know, yeah, werewolf. my wife. My wife's been reading through the Dresden Files for the first time with me, and at this point, we're really starting to think about doing a Dresden Files campaign now. Man, oh, you gotta, <laughs> oh yeah. it's gonna be so fun.
1: Yeah, we um, we're actually uh, uh, we're uh, I'm the DM for Dresden Files in my group. Um, where we have a rotating DM uh, uh, style, so I'll. Yeah. Like, I'm running D&D right now, and then I'll take a break, and then someone else will run something, and then when I d- run again, it'll be Dresden Files. And uh... Are you
2: running the Dresden Files RPG, or are you using yeah. a different system?
1: No, I'm, we're using Fate, uh, the, the Fate Core uh, rules for uh, Dresden Files, and Fate is fantastic. It's uh, okay. very malleable. Yeah. You can kind of cater it to how you want to, how to run the game. Um, okay. the greatest thing though, that's ever happened, Steve, is that you use your television, you hook up your laptop or whatever, your device to your television, and okay. then you use Google maps on satellite. And then you can use that as a way of being able to show yeah. where your characters are anywhere in the city because yeah, yeah, yeah. you run their characters in your home city, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool yeah. stuff. It's just another way that, uh, gaming has, uh, has changed and, uh, uh, and it's uh, ever evolving like your art and, uh, just uh it's really cool um well thanks for coming on the show and having a chat with us about D and about your art and uh we'd uh you know all the best to you and uh you know
2: yeah, yeah thanks uh, for having thanks for having me sean and thanks for being patient with me as i talked over you a whole lot
1: oh no dude it's uh it's exactly what i hope for i uh, you make my job easy by uh by having a uh, lot to say i um <laughs> it's uh yeah. it's very interesting and i can't wait to see uh see what you do next
2: all right. I, appreci- I appreciate that. And hey, if you want to, if you or any of your other viewers want to uh, listen to me fill the air with a whole bunch of uh, monologue, uh, feel free to check out my stream at twitch.tv slash Sketches.
1: Cool. And if uh, anybody's interested in uh, commissioning you for some art, where can they find you?
2: Well, the best way to contact me about commissions is through email. And uh, don't laugh. It's Sketches at yahoo.com. I know who uses Yahoo anymore.
1: I don't know. I still use my Hotmail and my Hotmail address is like embarrassing. So I'm not. Well, you
2: also it. still use Skype and I, I, I admit I am judging you pretty heavily about
1: that. Yeah. I, I. You know, what's funny is I thought I was actually really hip and I'm using the word hip, which is horrible, but I thought I was. You're really, really dating yourself, Sean. I know. I know. I, was, I, I thought I was really radical and totally tubular when I decided to use Skype and you're telling me that no one uses it anymore. I guess everyone's yeah. using Discord, right? So
2: yeah, Discord now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyways, <laughs> we can end on a on a humiliating note for myself. Um well thanks for being with us, Steve, and uh we'll uh we'll see you again.
2: All right, see you again, Sean. Later.